0: Hey, if you think you might be lost because you got lots of your thoughts, I'll be informed. Or if you're feeling like a fool, cause you've been used just like a tool since you were born. Hey, if you're trying to get through life, then friend, I've got some great advice for not growing horns. They say that ignorance is bliss, but if you knew, then you'd be pissed, so get informed. Oh boy did we pick a week to take a scheduling week off holy shit it's a leftist-led podcast i'm a host colin orton he they who the fuck is the other host
1: this is the fucking other host al Gropi. they them all who is the fucking guest
2: uh this is beverly fort the fucking guest she they (laughs) nice
1: that was so great We are back at it again. So sorry. Uh, Fuck you, Colin. I'm going to do the intro. We are back at it again with the white vans. JK, we are back at it again with Judith Butler's gender trouble. We are finishing up chapter one with sections five and six identity, sex, and the metaphysics of substance and language power and the strategies of displacement. But first some fucking news.
0: I'm Googling how old the back at it again with the white vans meme
1: not old enough i can still do
0: it is mean, six years old perfect <laughs> came out in 2016 i was Vintage. a child <laughs> well um well guys things are looking bleak this week huh uh i do have some good news uh start
1: there
0: yeah i also have a lot of bad news so do we want to do the good news first and then just really lay it on and if you have a commentary, do not hesitate to cut me the fuck off. Uh, I'm, I'm here to provide f- a feast of news that, that, that you may sup. Uh, in some good news, Stuart Rhodes, the head of the Oath Keepers, got found guilty of seditious conspiracy.
1: Good, uh, he did it.
0: Yeah, so he is... Ooh, shocker. Fucked. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, Seditious Conspiracy has as a 20-year sentence, too. So he is, it's a bad day for uh, Stuart Rhodes. Iran has announced that they may suspend their, or uh, abolish entirely, their morality police. Ooh. As a response to the ongoing protests. this Is that
1: on the list of demands, or is it just like an attempt at reconciliation?
0: it's a, it's it seems like an attempted at reconciliation i am not an expert in this field to say the least but it it seems like a sort of all right we'll do something please go home that's that's uh how it comes across to me you know the 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 morality police are definitely one of the more egregious uh the things that the iranian regime has been doing but they are Means uh, the end all be all of the citizens' problems with the regime.
2: Also, I, I do really feel like you know, dis disbanding does not mean that they are not still in action.
0: Well, and uh, you know, the the paramilitary Basiji would still very much be in in action. Uh, the unaccountable murderers that the uh, Ayatollah can just release upon the population
1: didn't. Didn't this, isn't this coming immediately after they announced they're going to execute all protesters that it did?
0: So that actually was, um, there has been. Was that
1: fake news or? Kinda.
0: (laughs) There have been 15,000 people arrested and over 200 killed.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, uh, they announced that essentially the death sentence could be applied to protesters from what I have seen. And then this spun immediately into they're going to kill all the protesters.
1: Ah, okay. I'm seeing that now.
0: So it's, it, well, and that, that is something that you're not the only person who thought that I thought that, uh, it, it very much is like a, there was a news sensationalism thing about it that really spun out of control there for a little bit.
1: Mm hmm. Speaking do you think of, that sensationalism oh, and the way that this story got spun out of control might have contributed to like this sudden backpedaling?
0: Maybe. I that got I, international I, coverage. I do not have enough context to to make a call like that.
1: Fair um, enough. Nor
0: do I. Speaking of out of control, <laughs> there was a uh, verdict um, in San Francisco uh, among police supervisors that would allow the san francisco police department to kill people with robots i'm gonna need some clarification
2: there hold the fuck up yeah. because that violates the law of robotics uh so what's the deal so the san francisco police department
0: said that they don't have plans to use murder bots robots with guns and they don't have any robots with guns
1: Mm, that uh, sounds like something with someone
0: with robots with guns would say yes precisely. Uh, <laughs> they now have the power to use them in a uh to quote the associated press emerge they have the power to use potentially lethal remote controlled
2: robots in emergency situations if i may add a twinge of comedy to this please <laughs> <laughs> um I think they should take the robot to Philly because if y'all remember what happened to the, to the hitchhiking robot. Oh my God. Um,
0: they murdered him.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I will say that is something to consider here. Like, uh, as scary as a murder robot sounds, unless it, it is a robot being directly controlled by a person, it is very easy to overpower
0: in all likelihood. That is what it would be is, uh, uh, think, uh, don't think Terminator, think drones.
1: Mm. still justice for hitchhike bot
0: <laughs> also uh, apparently the same, uh, San Francisco police said they have obtained no robots from military surplus but some were, pu- uh, were purchased with federal grant money
1: this your taxes going to robots with guns going yeah. to
0: your death yeah and, uh, actually AP has a really good point uh, here in the last line of their article where they point out that the Dallas PD has already used a robot to deliver an
2: explosive to kill someone.
1: When was this?
2: T- 2016. Okay. I'm trying to think if that was in the news because I'm from Texas, but I don't remember. Also, if they do that, are they like legally required to like brand the robot in a fashion fashion? <laughs> that is like I like that is like identifiable in the same way that police officers have to be like I'm I'm curious how that would work
0: well they also don't really have to be because we have plainclothes cops everywhere
2: well yeah but like in the case of a robot it's you know it's obviously a fucking robot but like yeah. and you'd be able to tell if it's at the turnstile but like more so just like if there's an issue with the robot or there's a dispute or something like, is there like a direct line to call or something, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you guys uh, want a really awful uh, segue into our next bad news? Hit me. Speaking of Terminator, Joe Biden and Congress terminated the attempt at a rail strike that was going on. What the fuck happened? At Joe Biden's request, Congress used its ability under the Rail Act of sometime in the 20s uh, to essentially Congress has the power to stop the railway unions from striking and to force them to take the deal that their employers offered rather than striking to negotiate. And that's not how a strike works. Famed labor, self-proclaimed labor president, Joe Biden urged Congress to pass this bill which would prohibit them from striking. And the House did pass a bill that would grant them the additional sick days that they required uh, because they had one sick day.
1: But the other demands?
0: Well, so they, 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 they were in separate bills. Mm-hmm. The one banning the strike passed in the Senate. The one granting their demands did
2: not.
1: Oh, I
2: See, Joe Biden knew what to do because he was around for the last railroad strike. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: so. Joe Biden remembers the Battle of Blair Mountain. He was there. <laughs>
1: no, don't Blair Mountain. me, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh, um, y-
0: Yeah, it's really disheartening. Also, because like AOC and Ilhan Omar voted to crush the rail strike.
2: Oh, I mean, we we do forget as as much of activist as as they are, but, um, like are still, they're, their daily life still revolves on that. And their daily image still revolves on that. Yeah. There's also something to be
0: said for, uh, the news coverage of this was talk about fucking manufacturing consent. Oh my God. Like even the, uh, the fucking Washington post article, which Jeff Bezos owns that no surprise that I'm looking at here. Uh, points out that such a shutdown would have cost the economy $2 billion a day, according to an estimate from the Association of American Railroads.
1: It's like, yeah, that's the fucking point. Yeah, they're a vital industry. That's why they're striking for... Give them sick days. Some (laughs) basic rights.
0: Yeah, it's really bad. Like,
2: I just wonder how quick the bills for automation of that are going to come now.
1: Oh, shit. Cause that's, oh.
2: that's, that's the next step is you get rid of a, the job.
0: Yeah. There are already trains in Australia that are fully automated.
1: Oh man.
0: Uh, yeah. It seems like, it seems like that's the, the move the rail CEOs are trying to make.
1: Well, there are all the rail workers and their families. Mm. <laughs>
0: it also sucks because being a rail worker, you are on call almost every day of the year. Like you don't really get holidays. You don't fucking get sick days you're allowed up to 3 days off for a doctor's appointment if it's uh booked beforehand but like you're on call almost the whole fucking year jesus it's fucking it sounds miserable
2: Hopefully. and it's and i would just like to point out it is only because buy it today arrive tomorrow demand that that is the problem we have faced ourselves with like we used to be functioning as a society with the expectation of delays and we no longer function under an expectation that something will delay. And that is not just like the billionaires at that point. It's also like, Oh God, if this thing I need for work tomorrow doesn't show up, I'm going to get fired. And like, Oh God, if this thing I need for school tomorrow doesn't show up, I'm going to not pass like, and it's just that that's the real problem.
1: It reminds me of, um, in when we were reading a different book i think this was in the walk run whatever it was walking um they talked about um tyrannical weapons and like tyrannical technology. oh that's orwell the the weapons of tyranny yes we were talking about orwell when we were reading that yes um but like because we've become a society so not only like so focused on for our own pleasure like convenience immediacy uh which is probably not a word but for, like you said, our jobs, our livelihoods, like we are now in a society where you should be able to turn around and produce content or produce products immediately. We've become reliant on tyrannical technology, on Bezos's drop drones that can just bring you your package immediately and expecting the same from systems that are still run by humans is too much. Uh, Colin's got a thought. Well, I think that
0: Technology like that is sort of the backbone of the modern nation state. Mm. Like you can't really have a country in the modern sense without that kind of extremely sophisticated system. Uh, The other thing is I think another thing that contributes to the ongoing suffering of rail workers is the fact that there is a consistent pressure to downsize.
2: Mm. So not
0: only are people leaving because it sucks, but there is a pressure to run the trains on skeleton crews. So the people who are staying are getting more and more overworked and burnt out as time goes on.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. All right. Do we want to move into the real bleak shit and try and... uh, This one we don't have to dive into because everybody has touched on it, and we all saw it, and it was bad, obviously, and we all kind of understand what happened but uh, a certain famous rapper went Ah. on Infowars. And said he loves Nazis. He said he loves Hitler specifically. Um, Also, um, Nick Fuentes was there, who he's been hanging out with. Also, Ali Alexander was there, the organizer of January 6th. Laura Loomer called in. Like, it was just a fucking real real rogues gallery of psychotic right-wing figures.
2: Yeah, wow.
0: Also, Milo Yiannopoulos has since stopped working for Ye. Uh, he was working for Ye, and now he has stopped working for Ye.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's about that's about the point.
0: So there's a lot going on there, just right off the bat, just the, the anti-Semitism train. That happened. It sure did. Hello, all. This is Colin from the future. We're going to get into the Colorado Springs Club Q shooting, so trigger warnings abound. Uh, So, yeah, the the Club Q shooting, which killed five and injured 17, was stopped uh, by Richard Fierro and uh, I believe Thomas James, uh, one of one of whom was just a dad there to see a show. Uh, The two of them physically overpowered the shooter, beat the fuck out of him. And then the police arrived and arrested Mr. Fierro.
1: I'm sorry, arrested one of the people that yes.
0: was... Yes. Uh-huh. They held him bleeding in the cop car and refused to tell him if his daughter was okay.
1: Oh, my God. Has he... He's been released, though, right? Oh, they held him for like an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Jesus.
0: Uh, It is incredibly bleak. And to make matters worse, people like Tucker Carlson and Tim Poole almost immediately... Rather than doing what the right usually does, which is encouraging this kind of violence until it happens and then spending a couple days decrying it and then immediately encouraging it again, they didn't really decry it at all. As a matter of fact, Tim Poole said on his Twitter uh, that Club Q had, quote, a grooming event and uh, asked, how do prevent the violence and stop the grooming? He also said... uh, it seems that around 10 p.m., Club Q posted uh, that they were having a an all-ages drag show the next day. About two hours later, the shooter came in. People keep calling for wood chippers, and this is what happens.
2: If I may. Please. Uh, so this was a very upsetting event. And what was even more upsetting is I just had to go to school casually. Um, And the school didn't release any statement about it. But honestly, it probably would have been a shit statement anyways, that would just make me (laughs) more mad uh, because that's our school. But the grooming point is such fucking bullshit, because if you've ever been raised in a very hetero cis normative culture, you've been fucking taken to Hooters. Mm -hmm. You have been groomed in a way that is just socially acceptable you've been told like oh just wait till they're all swarming around you growing up and like growing up I was so fucking uncomfortable by it and it's like but you know I was never uncomfortable by the things that society told me I should be you know like I thought people in the punk scene were the coolest looking people even though everyone else is fucking disgusted by them you know like that sort of thing and it's just like fuck you. Like you're taking your kid to Hooters. You're setting up playdates and being like, oh, they're going to get married one day. Like you're the problem. And you just refuse to accept the fact that the only reason you think it's grooming is because you don't like the possibility that your kid can live that kind of life the moment they move away.
1: Mm -hmm. Double standards fucking abound when it comes to grooming accusations.
0: Milo Yiannopoulos literally wrote about how pedophilia is good for teenage boys in his book.
1: Pederasty?
0: Yeah, straight up. Like, that's why he lost a lot of his career and had to be Marjorie Taylor Greene's intern for a couple of years. This was one of the poster children of the far right for like a while. Matt Gates smuggled a minor across state lines. Isn't
1: he still in political office? Mm-hmm. Jesus.
2: I just also think that the search history reveals of porn sites for these people that are saying these things just truly proves the point. but:
1: Illuminating.
0: So Colorado also has like a red flag law where if you have done shady shit, you can lose your firearms uh, and uh, the shooter in particular. Absolutely, should not have had a firearm under Colorado state law.
1: Like, did not pass vetting
0: requirements, and no, no, no. And- like, no, had had committed previous violent acts. If I'm not mistaken,
2: Ugh, uh, what the fuck.
0: Like the FBI, uh, he was, he was, uh, and take a shot every time there's a mass shooting, and this phrase comes up on the FBI's radar. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, also, his grandfather is a uh, re- Republican politician in the state of California. Anyway, to make matters worse, in Columbus, Ohio, I believe it was a drag queen story hour uh, had to be canceled because members of uh, Patriot Front and the Proud Boys deployed out uh, deployed showed the fuck up outside and beca- local um, community defense had been in touch with this group being like, Hey, let's figure something out. And performers and others at that uh, group wanted the cops to be there. And community defense said, we're not going to show up if the cops are there. Uh, And then neither showed up because uh, the Columbus, Ohio police didn't show up. Of course. And the event was canceled um, (laughs) as a, as a result because it was fucking unsafe. Mm-hmm. And the third thing in North Carolina, in Moore County, forty thousand homes were left without electricity because two power stations were to use the terminology used by local law enforcement vandalized by somebody armed with a firearm who just shot the power stations until they stopped working. No motive has really nobody has like claimed it as theirs, however uh Several far-right groups, including a local far-right activist, yeah, a local far-right activist posted on her Facebook, the power is out in Moore County, and I know why, Uh, and Libs of TikTok posted about a drag show happening that night in the area that lost power in the attack, which, you know, has not been confirmed to have been a terrorist attack, but
1: I get the fact that these police are so willing to qualify shooting at a power station as vandalism.
0: Well, you bring up the police. Actually, it's uh, there. There is there is a photo circulating of the Moore County Sheriff. Uh, in uh, it's a photo taken in twenty twenty. Uh, the Moore County Sheriff with his arm around the woman who posted the power is out in Moore County, and I know
1: why. It's all the way down it's everywhere this has
0: been a really long and miserable uh tirade to basically say that the far right are ramping up their attacks against the lgbtq community they are they are ramping up for a genocide they are going to try to kill as many as they can and the police cannot help because because they're part of (laughs) it Because they they're the ones behind the Proud Boys masks. Yeah. Uh, The the police will not fucking help. They don't want to.
1: Should we DOD into GT?
0: Yes. uh, I just want to say meet your fucking communities. Get organized. Mm -hmm. Buy an IFAC. Donate to at IFAC fund on Twitter while it still exists.
2: Also, beyond knowing your communities, I've seen a lot of people circulating the most important thing, know your neighbors, because it's not just about knowing the people in your community. It's about knowing who's not in the community equally so. Absolutely true. If you're comfortable doing some of that dirty undercover work, you know, getting people to trust you so you can hear what they really have to say. By, by all means, you know, use that information you gather to help others.
1: Well, let's be careful with where we encrypted messaging apps ain't so encrypted. Remember that, too. Be careful.
0: Signal's decent, but your phone is a cop. Uh, your computer is a cop. Don't Fed post.
1: Anyway, all good points. Good points all. Um, DOD into GT. I don't know what happened with the DOD. Do you guys want to cover that?
2: Yeah, there's been circulation, and you said you couldn't find any reputable source on it. I'll admit, I am surface level knowledge on this thing. So I just saw that there is an issued uh, domestic terrorist threat by the DOD. Oh,
0: that was a different thing. Okay, never mind.
2: And um, the DOD basically was saying if you are a member of the queer community or Jewish, to basically know that we have issued a warning for multiple people planning attacks against. people under this qualification uh so it just goes back to you know be safe and fight if you wanna
0: yes sorry bev i i thought you were talking about something entirely different i would have started uh this segment with that had i uh known which which uh, piece of dod thing it is that that's super valid and definitely actually real um it's also really encouraging that the feds are like oh yeah no you're in danger we're not going to help or anything but you're in danger
1: <laughs> Thank you, fans. <fence. laughs>
0: yeah, I did this because we, we we talked in our last recording session about how reading Gender Trouble was kind of well-timed because the, like, groomer homophobia, transphobia panic was sort of at a simmering point three weeks ago.
1: Now here we are.
0: Now here we are. Uh,
1: Transition!
0: Anyway... The end of part one. Uh, so,
1: as we covered in our last two recordings, uh, Gender Trouble chapters one, sections one through four of chapter one, uh, just to briefly touch on the theses of the previous sections, we had section one, women is the subject of feminism, wherein Butler lays out that it is impossible to define womanhood within the realm of representational politics um, without women being discursively reconstructed by the framework uh section two true the compulsory order of sex gender desire when where it's pointed out that not only is gender a social contract construct so is sex and they were created to reinforce themselves cute and fun section three gender the circular runes ruins of contemporary debate, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, wherein <laughs> Butler uh, hits home on that theory and reiterates the fact that it's all circular, like it is impossible, the separation of body and mind, the hierarchy between male and female, all of this is simply reconstructed to conform to masculine power structures someone else can if someone else has a better way of phrasing that uh feel free to jump on and then section four theorizing the binary the unitary and beyond wherein she basically uh establishes that it does not have to be static we do not have to only have one face for feminism there is it is actually much more effective if feminism is fluid to meet the needs of its intersectional base and if we're ready we can jump into section five identity sex and the metaphysics of substance let's do it all right i will say uh this section i got pretty well section six is where my brain started to fry and i started to be Mm. like wait what what are we saying what's happening
0: yep Mm.
1: but uh identity sex and the metaphysics of substance basically attacks once again language and the idea of like being defined in opposition to something else and it also introduces heterosexual desire as the defining characteristic of like reproductive organization like straight sex is not just a function of, but the end goal of the gender binary.
0: There's a really interesting quote um, right at the beginning, uh, which is, to what extent do the regulatory practices of gender formation and division constitute identity, the internal coherence of the subject, indeed, the self-identical status of the person, Mm-hmm. To what extent is identity a normative ideal rather than a descriptive feature of experience? And I think that idea, yeah, the regulatory practices of gender formation and division and uh, identity being normative instead of expressive. hmm. I think that that, again, is one of the things that is at the heart of the right wing's disgust for any kind of deviation away from the strict bounds of heterosexuality and sort of c- cisgenderedness despite the fact that those bounds are as as contradictory and nonsensical as we know that as we know them to be gender and the performance of gender is about regulating others as much it, as it is about anyway
2: uh, yes um. precisely yeah and I'll be honest it's not even at the forefront of right wingness it's also at the forefront of queer discourse Mm
1: -hmm. in the sense
2: of the i the the whole thing of like identity versus experience where like you can't identify as blank unless you've experienced this and i feel like especially with like non-binary and transness like that is a huge part of the discourse and especially with bisexuality too the whole thing of like Someone can identify and know that they are bisexual, but if they've only dated one heart of the spectrum, then they will be assumed to be that, you know? And so like, it's the calls also from in the fucking house, but the right, <laughs> the right is definitely feeding on that. So it's, it's both sides at play.
1: Mhm I agree and I oh go ahead call and I saw you open your mouth. Oh it's it's yeah gatekeeping
0: and means testing gender identity and sexuality.
1: Mhm and it's uh speaking of both the calls coming from inside the house and means testing gender identity. I love the fact that in this section they bring up uh Butler brings up gendered attributes as both within society and internally, like when defining oneself, um, because that's um, a talking point I've heard used a lot with non-binary people and then masculine women, um, a fat non non-binary people I should say, um, where it's like, how how where is the line of wait am I do I have these traits because I am something or is it just that's who I am and those traits aren't gendered in the way we societally believe they are, and so there's this section. She brings up uh, Foucault's geniality, Foucault's The History of Sexuality and um, uh, his introduction to the journals of Herculean Barbon, an intersex person from the early 19th century, 18th century, I don't remember. But there's this conversation of sex. if sex is the subject and gendered traits are the uh, free floating attributes applied to that subject, I believe they call it the abiding substance, which I was like, that's like, okay, it's a factual constant. If we're saying that these free-floating attributes, these gendered traits are applied to our abiding substance, that is the supposed relationship. But I have a big old block quote here. It's super duper long, but it is, I think, one of the main theses of this section. If it is possible to speak of a man with a masculine attribute and to understand that attribute as a happy but accidental feature of that man then it is also possible to speak of a man with a feminine attribute, whatever that is, but still to maintain the integrity of the gender. But once we dispense with the priority of man and woman as abiding substances, then it is no longer possible to subordinate dissonant gendered features as so many secondary and accidental characteristics of a gender ontology that is fundamentally intact. And I bolded this part if the notion of an abiding substance is a fictive construction produced through the compulsory ordering of attributes into coherent gender sequences, then it seems that gender as substance, the viability of man and woman as nouns is called into question by the dissonant play of attributes that fail to conform to sequential or causal models of intelligibility. Basically, sex and gender is not the subject. Gender coherence is the subject. When you define man or woman, you're not thinking about their sex. You're thinking about this structure of traits that you have been ingrained to believe is what a man or a woman is. And I thought that was cool.
2: (laughs) I have I have a thought on that because it was something I was thinking about a little bit before. And it just perfectly adds to that. And it's it's the whole idea that I think the big struggle people find with this is. I found my way to exist comfortably. This is what it looks like to me. But if it looks the same to someone that identifies in a different way, but it's the same things that I feel about my experience, what does that mean for my identity? And I think that's a huge problem with this conversation. But I I think it just really leads to think that like you can't use just that in the terms because like you know, I think at the end of the day it's It goes back to the thing of like, if you're like, I identify this way because XYZ, but someone identifies that same way because XYZ, I mean, I can use a very extreme example. Governmental hatred gets you on one side or the other, but it's not the same thing. And I think like, but it's the same feeling, the same experience, the same process of radicalization. And I think you can kind of apply that same logic to this case as well.
0: Defining not just like a normal object, but defining any kind of socially constructed concept, you know, man, woman, the the, the description of that is going to be an association of traits. And that quote kind of broke my brain and I feel very stupid, but I did eventually wade through it and get to the, get, get to the point, which is, you know, when there's a Venn diagram, when, uh, oh, some traits belong on one side, some on the other, not, oh no, the traits are no longer cleanly delineated. The line has been blurred or disappeared entirely. Uh I think that it's it's really interesting that like rather than having a reassessment of, oh, perhaps the lines were arbitrary. Uh it seems that the the uh the general approach has been instead to frantically double down.
1: Mm-hmm it's a defense
2: it's it's all it's all defensiveness and you know i think especially when you see because the the two sides that i see it from and i'm going to be very respectful in the way that i talk about this i mean this with no ill intent to these people because in the same way that these experiences are very hard for them i can very much relate to that even if they don't always believe that i can but i think for cis men and women that have really had to fight for their place in society. And you see that a lot with cis men who have done an amazing job and that I'm being highly complimentary on purpose. They've done an amazing job to really get in touch with their masculinity. And they're really proud of that. The moment that's challenged, that's very hard for them. And same with women who, um, you know, I have experience with um, people I was very close with who had to fight really hard to be, feel worthy in places that were, you know, primarily boys club spaces. And I, I very much, you know, I very much uh, feel bad that they have that experience because of this, because of the fact that at the end of the day, they're still suffering under that same system.
0: We've discussed, uh, and I think a little bit of that, like, it's really unfortunate because the, especially the like fighting, in a to be represented, like cis women fighting to be heard in a boys club space there's something to uh, th- this came up i think it was our episode with kit but we talked about how part of the reason that like second wave i think f- feminists a lot of them fell down the turf rabbit hole is because that like that particular struggle couched itself really defensively in like biological determinism and in like an almost spiritual association with the uterus as like a rhetorical device in the struggle to be heard in that boys club space. And so I I think it's really kind of tragic uh, the way that that struggle kind of broke and that there is a faction of people who uh, have since, because, you know, as, as we well know, there is a there is a sort of rad femme to turf to Nazi adjacent pipeline. Uh we've seen a certain author fall down it uh in the last twenty years. Uh but I think that, you know, it's it's fascinating to see that like shit, they did not learn
2: from what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all in all fairness too, like it's fucking hard, it's hard when, when- You know, like, it's just it's it's that thing of like, it sucks that it's the job of the person being oppressed because it shouldn't be. And but it's so typically that the person that's struggling is the person that then has to educate themselves in order to get out of it. And if they don't, then they don't.
1: Speaking of biological determinism and piggybacking off of Bev's earlier point about uh, men that need to feel secure in their masculinity and work really hard to and then women who feel need to. Work really hard to feel secure in their femininity while being confronted with masculinity. We're going to get into parts about biological determinism and post genital sexuality in the next section. Um, But this really is more related to Bev's point so that I can transition into addressing Colin's point. But just to wrap up this section, because this section can really be kind of solidified in that quote. Um, But I want to clarify something I said earlier that relates to Bev's point gender is not if gender is gender coherence, Butler specifies it is not free-floating attributes that are applied to sex. This is the quote where Butler introduces the main theory of the entire text, performativity theory, which has a lot to do with feeling secure in your traits for your, not your chosen gender, but for the gender that you feel most comfortable in. Here's the quote. In this sense, gender is not a noun, neither is it a set of free-floating attributes. Hence, within the inherited discourse of the metaphysics of substance, gender proves to be performative, that is, constituting the identity it is purported to be. In this sense, gender is always a doing, brackets mine, without a doer, because if you yourself are not the subject who is doing this performance. Um, But that transitions into Section 6, Language, Power, and Strategies of Displacement, where since feminist theory has had to assume that there is a doer, since without an active agent, there can be, be no potential for changing those relations of domination we've associated with this performance, with the contrasting performances of masculine and feminine, but it also delineates the performative construction of gender within the material practices of culture, disputing the temporality of those explana- explanations that would confuse cause with result. About the 25, let me explain. Colin is giving a very confused face. Um, if we need to believe that we are doing some, Colin, what are you going to say? Riff, riff, my boy? It's woman. not my
0: fault. I'm stupid. Go on.
1: You're not stupid. I talk fast. Um, if there is not a doer then what is the performance? What is it for? Who is it for and who is performing it? How was I going to transition this into post-genital politics? Oh God. Oh geez. The post-genital politics. Okay, wait, no, no, no. Wait, I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay, bring it back in. If gender and sex were constructed to lead to heterosexual desire and heterosexual desire is seen as the pinnacle of heterosexuality, heteronormativity, uh, the reproductive structures that we need to support capitalism because we're now longer of capitalism. If you must have heterosexual sex, then why do we have so many people without these? And they've tried to explain feminine sexuality as so distinct from masculine sexuality as its own thing, like lesbianism as the third gender, as we discussed in a previous section, and like, oh, even by at one point, they reduce it to biology. That's how we get into it. At one point, feminists tried to reduce it to specific biological sensations. But then they found that obviously these can't be the same for all women, uh, even if we were going to use turf logic and say, oh, biology women, but even then, it's not it's not the same for everyone. So in trying to achieve this post genital sex where like the physical nature of one's Body. Here's the quote. Uh, and In trying to invert Freud's heteronormative theories of sexual maturation, Wittig attempts to, uh, Wittig accidentally valorizes polymorphous perversity assumed to exist prior to sexual demarcation as the telos of human sexuality. If we go too far in the opposite way and say that, oh, whatever kind of sex you have doesn't matter, it's the physical sensation of the bodies, it's the physical configuration of the bodies, then we're reverting to. Oh, wait. Hold the fuck up. Hold the fuck up. I got to organize my thoughts. I've been rambling. Someone else take it. Uh,
2: I gotcha. Because, okay, the true point of that is it completely excludes the existence of aroace. Ace. And. Good. Yes, I, I feel. Was that. That's part not of the where point I was going, but I do oh, want okay. to touch
1: on that. So please feel free.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that are aromantic or asexual. And under this established system, they are meant to feel like complete freaks of nature um, who are too high standard, too high maintenance and um, have nothing to look forward to in life. Because why would you want to look forward to anything except raising a family and having a kid as if they can't adopt? But also, you know, uh, that's a whole other adoption stigma is a whole other thing. So.
1: Thank you for mentioning that. That almost went right over my head. And I think that's really important to bring into this conversation. Um, And it also allowed me a moment to look at my notes and figure out what I was trying to say. Uh, So, the reason, um, well, obviously, yes, this theory of biological determinism and this goal for heterosexual reproduction completely erases the existence of Aero and A's people. But also, the reason they're trying to get to this post genital sex is because of the power systems that sex is ensorcelled by, (laughs) encircled by was the word I was going for, but I love ensorcelled. So we're looking for a sexuality, a sexual desire that is pre-power or post-power or outside of power. But Foucault obviously argues sex is power. So
0: you mentioned too, that these, the, uh, these structures are in service to capitalism. You're absolutely right, but I think I I just felt it important to point out that again, I it's fascinating how systems work together because heteronormativity and sort of compulsory heterosexuality predate capitalism by thousands of years. And it's interesting that capitalism can utilize pre existing bigotries to its Advantage as had all of the other sort of overarching socio-political philosophies at the time, and of course, you know, it, it, the uh, compulsory heterosexuality is going to look different. Uh, like, for example, in ancient Rome, uh, you were allowed to be—you weren't allowed to be in the legion if you were gay, but they defined gay as being a bottom. Tops were allowed to serve in the Legion. It's
2: very oh,
1: yeah, brother. <laughs> sorry,
2: um, oh, I'm sorry. That's a very funny <laughs> statement.
0: <laughs> Tops uh, only in this Legion, but it's it's like you know these these kinds of things have existed for a very long time, and I, th- I just thought it was uh, important to point out that capitalism utilizes any kind of pre-existing bigotry to its advantage. But these things have been around for a while. Go for it, Beth.
2: I have a question, though, because is it safe to say, though, that this is not just an evolution of it and that it is not just the same thing? Because, like, yes, this predates capitalism, but it's not like this is not its own child. If you know They're what not I mean, independent. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. One, like
0: one changes the other and vice versa. Yeah.
2: I feel like a lot of people like to be like, well, these are two separate systems. So, you know, the, the X, Y, Z, but like, I don't know, you
1: it, uh, know, it's I yeah. would definitely say I'm going to smart in there. I would definitely say that the unique brand of heteronormativity and like compulsory heterosexuality that we've seen as since, since like, I'm not going to date it back to Hammurabi, but like since the (laughs) rise of industrialism at least is unique to the kinds of hetero uh, comp and heteronormativity that would have been seen pre industrial era.
0: Yeah. And I'm not saying that they exist separately uh, and they definitely do change each other. Like, you know, you are going to get different signifiers of heterosexuality in 14th century Venice that you're going to get in 21st century Atlanta. You know, systems change culture and culture changes systems. These things, it's just fascinating to me. It's one of those galaxy brain moments where uh, you can kind of think about how like different systems, even when the big over system changes from feudalism to mercantilism to capitalism and these under systems adapt to stay relevant and also, you know, they all work together. It's a system.
1: I all think right. it goes back to Bev's concept of Schrodinger's Orboros that we talked about, like, yeah. uh, last week.
0: I feel like I explain things. Sometimes I feel like I talk like Joe Rogan, where I just, no. like, really fucking bumble through a... <laughs> bumble no, you're through a- no, no- much,
2: more, much more clear. <laughs> I will no. say, though, I, I just have... It's so interesting to hear your perspective of it. Because I've always had the idea that instead of adapting from the ground up, it's the top adapting in different ways in the sense of like, oh, they said we can't have this. So how do we make sure this institution still stays in a way that is favorable to their demands that they no longer want? That's how I've always viewed it. So that's why I was like, is it really different? Because it's just a different name, but it's just in response to Fear in response to um, revolutions. In response to this, it's the same thing. Just basically being like, okay, what can we get away with this time?
0: Absolutely. It's it is really amazing that you know we are fighting a lot of the same battles that have been fought and refought over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. Everyone likes to believe we're in the post-post-modern era and all of our identity issues are... No, 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 they have just begun. Um Just to briefly touch back on the power is sex, looking for sexuality outside of power structures theme of this section, I just want to touch on two points that I thought were really interesting. Um Butler mentions that basically turf logic uh bad for feminism obviously but this is the quote that they used that i thought was especially like wow get get fucked, Terps. and this is irigaray is not a turf. i'm saying that but this is uh this is butler's addressing of an irigaray quote irigaray i don't know if they are a turf. um <laughs> Irgari's efforts to derive a specific feminine sexuality from a specific feminine anatomy have been the focus of anti-essentialist arguments for some time. The return to biology as the ground of a specific feminine sexuality or meaning seems to defeat the feminist premise that biology is not destiny. So uh, if you're a fan of equality feminism or difference feminism, either way, turf logic does not serve you. But this is the part that I found to be like especially cogent. You'll see cishet people, let's say a cishet group of people are looking at a, a couple of lesbians, a femme lesbian and a butch lesbian. And they always say like, well, if you're trying to avoid man, then why are you dating someone that looks like a man? Or it's like, why are you recreating these heterosexual structures in your homosexual relationship? It's not recreation, it's not mimicry, it's inversion. And this is the block quote that really like blew my mind. When it comes to, so if we're trying to seek sex outside of power, why are we replicating power structures or not, or inverting them? The presence of so-called heterosexual conventions within homosexual context, contexts, as well as the proliferation of specifically gay discourses of sexual difference, as in the case of butch and femme as historical identities of sexual style, cannot be explained as chimerical representations of originally heterosexual identities, neither can they be understood as the pernicious insistence of heterosexist constructs within gay sexuality and identity. Uh, Quote ends, Instead, repetition of heterosexual constructs within gay sexuality is evidence of the denaturalization of heterosexuality, a way of bringing relief to the constricting constructed status of the supposed heterosexual. Another quote starts, Thus, gay is to straight, not as copy is to original, but rather as copy is to copy. Huh yeah the power structures were created to suit the power system inverting those power structures within a homosexual relationship is liberating at least imo
2: i would also like to add commentary in the in in support but in the same way of other relationships you know like because there are so many straight relationships and you see this all the time i think a perfect example is Tom Holland and Zendaya where everyone's like, this is a bisexual relationship. But the yes. truth is it's just that the relationship of mask and femme in their existence is not exclusive to one person or the other. And so that's why you get that commentary. And cause I just wanted to, you know, shout out to my femme for fems, you know, and all that and make sure they're included in this conversation. Hell yeah. But yeah, like it's, it's the whole thing of like that. I don't know. I already said my point.
1: No, I think it's a good point And I agree. Like even within heterosexuality, if we try and yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> also, they're so cute together. <laughs> I'm so happy. That's a real relationship and not just a PR one. <laughs> well, I guess if we don't have any other uh, big points before the end of the section, um, This section did have a quote that I've heard before that I thought was cogent. Oh, Colin, you want to go ahead? Oh, no, no, please. Uh, Well, just uh, maybe to wrap it up, and I feel free to make me explain this quote if necessary. If the regulatory fictions of sex and gender are themselves multiply contested sites of meaning, then the very multiplicity of their construction holds out the possibility of a disruption of their univocal posturing. If no one knows what it means to be a man or a woman or to be straight or to be gay, if these things are inverted or subverted or even slightly differing from the gender coherence we've established and that can still be normalized, there is a possibility for further subversion in a way that brings more people into the fold. And that is fully inclusive of the wider spectrum of sexuality. At least that's where I think that quote is. That
2: at least checks out to me, certainly. Uh, Yeah, I've got got nothing to add, you know?
1: Well, cool. (laughs) Shall we wrap?
0: I think in that case, Al, who have you been? Shit.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I've been Al Gropey. They, them all. You can find me on Instagram. uh, Al. No, wait. I have a real, uh, I have a big boy Instagram now. At Al Gropey, my name. (laughs) That's my actor Instagram. (laughs) Colin, who have you been?
0: I've been Colin Orton. Uh, you can find this podcast at Leftist Lit Pod on Twitter. Send us hate mail at gettinginformedpod at gmail.com. Bev, who have you been?
2: I've been Bev Fort. And um, she, they, you can find me under my name pretty much anywhere. So have fun with that.
0: It's been really good. Uh, it doesn't really look like things are going to get better in this country for a while. Uh, so I think it's just really important to... Again, get fucking organized, people. Uh, And as much as it sure helps for me to say that, no, in all seriousness, like, reach out to your local orgs.
1: And have a great day.
0: Have a a good one. We can do this, people.
1: Yes.
2: And we've been doing it.